Welcome to the Glory Podcast. We're so glad that you're listening. Our mission is to declare God's glory. Please visit glorychurchkc.com to hear all of our other messages. Goodness, it is so good to see your faces and hear your voices. Goodness, this is week three of being together. And if you are new, my name is Greg McKinney, and my wife and I are actually the lead pastors here at Glory Church. And it is an honor to have you guys join us uh, this morning. If you are visiting for the first time, I just want to tell you thank you. I know that you could be at a dozen other places. I'm going to move this back because I will trip on it. I know you could be in a dozen other places this morning, especially sleeping. Uh, I know that's, that's a great option, um, but you're here, and so thank you so much. Um, but this morning, if you are new, you are jumping into week three of a series called Blessed, and I don't know what your um, pre-knowledge of the Bible is, but we've been tracking with uh, the Beatitudes in Scripture, and I don't know if you have heard dozens of sermons about the Beatitudes, uh, or maybe that word is weird to you. I'm thankful that you're here. Uh, It is essentially a a section in scripture where Jesus uh, separates who are the blessed uh, from who therefore aren't. And it's this awkward passage of, of eight very straightforward and blunt and quick statements that sort of set apart who people of God will be from the people of the world, and it is very different than we expect. In fact, uh, th- this is for the heart of, uh, of you. Maybe you've been like this before, or maybe you're like this now, who feels like God is distant, or God is an angry God, or God is a, a God of vengeance, or, or maybe God is just a God that cares about the good and not the bad, uh, bad lo- times in life. And I don't know what your preconceived notions are, but the people in today's story in Matthew 5 had some preconceived notions of Jesus. And he sat down on a mountaintop, and the words that flowed from his mouth rocked their expectations. They did not think Jesus would be like this. And so can I just be honest? This is not going to be what you think it is. As we talk about each and every week, it's not going to be. So before we get into it, I just want to thank those of you who were with us last week. I heard nothing but kind and and powerful words, encouraging words about last week's message. We talked about blessed are those who mourn. And I will tell you, it was one of those times for me where I walked off the stage and I was like, I never want to feel like that again. I don't know what was going on internally, but it was not good. And so I, I just, God has been wrecking me with these Uh, Maybe this past week you mourned for the first time in a while because of that message. I got a lot of texts this week, uh, and so thank you, those of you who who dove into that with us. And this morning, I'll prepare you, is to a shattering section of scripture. We're going to talk about a word that may be familiar or may not be, but I promise you it looks different than you expect. And God has dealt with me this week because unlike the other two Beatitudes, we call them, unlike the other two that we've talked about, this third one in verse 5 of Matthew 5, as we get into it, the people who heard it that day, the disciples and the crowd, they actually knew this verse. They knew this. Jesus is quoting something that they were familiar with. Where the other two maybe came up as a shock, blessed are the poor in spirit. That might be shocking. Uh, They knew this. It was a quote. And so as we get into it, uh, it might be strange for you, but Jesus is quoting Psalm 37. And so if you're ready for this, we're going to open up chapter 5, verse 5. It'll stay up and it says this. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Now, I'm going to lie. 
You say so good. I, this week, I will be completely honest as this stays up. I knew we were talking about uh, the Beatitudes about a month ago, and this week was like the black sheep in the family for me. Um, I don't know why, but blessed are the meek was like the black sheep for me. I didn't want to deal with it. I wasn't ready for this one. Uh, I don't know if it's because I have this like uh, strange conception of meek. Maybe I've heard too many sermons about meek or how it's like humility or gentleness and meek isn't weak and all these things. And I was just like, I'm not ready for this week. But God has dealt with me. He has shattered me. And uh, maybe you've heard meekness before. It's just gentleness. Or be humble, because the humble inherit the earth. But our connotation of humility is very different than everyone surrounding Jesus that day when they heard this word. This word's connotation is not some timid word. It's not some in the background word. Meek is actually really beautiful. And I read many commentators that, that wrote that it would actually have been defined like this. Are you ready for this? I love it. It would actually have been defined like strength contained. Strength contained. Let that sit in because that's really weird. Strength contained. This does not mean strength withheld, but this is a confidence in knowing the strength that you do hold and the discernment of how to use it. Uh, this strength contained, and I, I love this, because there is power in this, but it's this beautiful ability to also not use the power. Yeah. Meekness, strength contained. Think of Jesus. He's the most humble, meek, beautiful man, but you would never say that he is timid, right? You would have never called him timid or weak, and why? It's because when he was with people, they literally, when he spoke, scriptures say that people were astounded by his authority. Have you ever met someone who wasn't like arrogant? They weren't uh, in your face, but when they spoke, there was this authority and you were just like, what is strength contained is what that is. It's strength contained. And Jesus has this beautiful ability to be with the crowd of people who hate him he has the whole power to smite, yet the control to heal. You know, like he has the power to smite. He has the power to fight back, yet the control to turn the other cheek. Yeah. Meek. He has the power to uh, not die in the end, but the control to still obey and still do it. Meekness. And I will tell you, meekness is beautiful. I'm sure some of you have heard that meekness is not weakness. Maybe you, you grew up with that. Meekness is not weakness. And that was sort of the backbone of this. But in the Beatitudes, we have talked about weakness the past two weeks. The poor in the spirit own their weakness. Those who mourn own their weakness that God's strength may come in. And so be weak that his strength may come. But meekness is on a whole different playing field. Meekness is this beautiful ability I have. If you're taking notes, write this down. This is uh, where scripture says that our meekness or our weakness is met by God's strength. Meekness is the discerned use of God's strength. The discerned use. The knowledge that like God is with me. He's empowered me. He's given me abilities. And it's now this discerned use of that strength. It's strength contained. And as Jesus looked at the crowd, he knew <laughs> My disciples are going to go through some hardships where um, they're going to want to retaliate. Literally, who is the guy who cut off the ear of a soldier? Peter. They're going to want to retaliate, but they're going to need meekness, a strength contained. They're going to want to fight back, but they're going to need a meekness, a strength 
contained because they, like you and I, have um, some uncontained strength in our life. If strength uh, contained is meekness, and obviously the opposite we could say is arrogance or haughty or those who are big-headed or those who are very forceful with their words, but can we just say uncontained strength is also arrogance? The people that are like wildfires, and I don't know if uh, you know anyone like that, but uncontained strength, the characteristics of that are all around us. I wrote some down. Uncontained strength hits back. It retaliates. Uncontained strength blames others for your bad day. Did you hear that? Uncontained strength blames others for your emotional state. Uncontained strength hurts people. It manipulates the situation to get your best outcome. Uncontained strength is what blows up at work when you look bad. And you feel like, ah, I look bad and it's someone else's fault. It blows up at work. Or it's distant from the, the family when it comes home. Uncontained strength sees the accomplishments or successes of others as a direct threat against you. Uncontained strength sees the good happening as a, an absence of your good. Uncontained strength burns bridges while pursuing wants. It, it blurts out frustrations. Uncontained strength may gain good right now, but it loses the great over time. Uncontained strength is this full-time job, and I know this. It's a full-time job of putting your best face forward to cover up your insecurities. Uncontained strength. We could call it pride. All those are definitions of arrogance. All those are definitions of people who are big-headed. They do whatever they can to cover up their weaknesses, insecurities, doubts, fears. But can we all look in the mirror? I mean, I hope this is a safe place to say that I have some uncontained strength in my life. I have some uncontained strength, and maybe I'm in a safe place enough that you can admit that you have some uncontained strength as well, um, because Jesus, when looking out at his disciples, knew the state that if we're going to move forward, if we're going to live life to the fullest as God has, has designed us, if we're going to notice our gifts yet also celebrate the gifts of others, then we are going to need meekness a contained strength. And so as he spoke this quote to the disciples, they knew a few things instantly. They knew the gist of the psalm that this came from, though you and I, we are not that smart. In fact, an average Jew, I don't know if you knew this, this is a fun fact, the average Jew would have had to uh, recite and memorize the bulk of the Torah when they were a child. It was, it was this beautiful recognition. So when Jesus said this, the majority of the disciples, they grew up in, in Jewish traditions of, of education. They would have known this comes from Psalm 37. It's not a psalm about lamenting. It's not a psalm about confession. This is a psalm of exaltation. This is a psalm that, that instructs. And the gist of it that they would have gotten, I'll give you it. They would have known that this whole psalm separates the meek, as Jesus says, the blessed ones, the people who follow God, it separates them from the wicked. The psalmist will say the wrongdoers. And in this psalm, you will see this direct opposition between the two, that the uh, evildoers can be many things in, in this world, but they can never be meek. That the evildoers can have a lot of things in this world, but they can never have contained strength. And so there's this beautiful show of it in this, this passage. And you also see that the comforts of this world, the uh, blessings, 
the, uh, the good sometimes, the resources may never touch the hands of the meek. You'll see that in this passage. But in the same way, the eternal life of the meek will never touch the hands of the wicked. So it's this beautiful passage, and they would have got this. We have to see soon enough that, that this eternity perspective is beautiful. In fact, if you want to take notes, there is a long-term perspective that is given to those who are meek. Because it's not about what I have now. It's about the, this, this beautiful thing that is coming. And so there's a long-term perspective for the meek. And in looking at the crowd, Jesus knew, like, soon enough, you're going to be hungry. You're not going to have a home anymore, and it's going to look beautiful, all those families that get to go back into their homes. It's going to look beautiful as, you, as we travel, as we go into new cities, and you are still a single man. You're going to see families together, and you are going to compare their blessing with your now lack of it, and you, you're going to struggle to believe that that is where blessing is found. But those who are meek have a long-term perspective. And I think that just like the disciples, we need this, this beautiful long-term perspective, because as we will see in just a second, the wicked fight for stability today, but the meek, they cling to the stability of eternity. The, meek, the wicked will fight for it. Every day, I need stability. That's what I want. We got to have financial stability. We have to have emotional stability. I need to have uh, stability at work. And they will fight and fight and fight. But the meek have this uncanny ability to wait upon the stability that was spoken before them, that is coming before them. And so as we get into this, I will tell you, you probably have some uncontained strength. And it might be why you have struggled sleeping the past few weeks, because you're worried about tomorrow and that you have to, you have some issues going on tomorrow. And maybe there's some uncontained strength that has kept you up at night, or maybe there's some uncontained strength that has damaged barriers or bridges in your relationships, or maybe it's hurt your prayer life, caused you to compromise. We got something to learn this morning. And as I open up Psalm 37 right now, you're going to see that the meek daily make some exchanges. You're going to hear that word a lot. They exchange some things like going and bartering or you're going to go and, and you barter. You, you obviously give something for something else. The meek do that. And you'll see it beautifully displayed in Psalm 37. So I encourage you open it up. It'll be up there if not. Um, but you're going to see the meek make some daily exchanges. It reads this, Psalm 37 verse 1, do not fret because of the wicked. Do not be envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb, but trust in the Lord and do good, so that you will live in the land and enjoy security. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will act. Where the, the wrongdoers love to do the acting, God will he will make your vindication. Don't take ownership of your vindication. Don't retaliate. He will make it shine like the light and the justice of your cause like the noonday. So be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret over those who prosper in their way, over those who carry out their evil devices, but refrain from anger. Forsake wrath. Do not fret. It will only lead to evil. For the wicked, they shall be cut off, but those who wait in the Lord will inherit the land. 
Yet a little while the wicked will be no more, but get this, the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant prosperity. Now there are some exchanges that the meek make daily. There's some daily exchanges and I'm going to uh, challenge you to take some notes. You see, every single day, the first one is this, the meek exchange comparison for courage. Every single day, the meek, it's an active decision to not compare themselves. Anyone in the room struggle with comparison? It's this daily decision to not compare yourself, but to stand and courage. Uh, the, the psalmist says, don't fret because of the wicked. Don't be envious because they are getting by and you are not. In other words, don't compare your have-nots with their haves, or don't compare their have-nots with your haves. Both are destructive. Do not get hung up on how they're living and how they seem to climb the ladder of success quicker than you. Don't compare. Don't compare how you are with how seemingly happy they are today. Do not compare your inability with their boisterous, uncontained ability. You know, like, don't compare, and often we do it. In other words, the meek, they do not get their value, their worth, or their significance from this world. I mean, think about the average person. Some... I, I used to do this a whole lot more, and I try to catch myself when this happens. But the average person walks into a room. If you did it this morning, it's okay. There's forgiveness. You walk into a room. <laughs> you walk into a room, and you will determine your level of courage based on how everyone else looks or appears. Because for the world, they will determine their courage after they compare. And it's this fake courage. And so you go into a room and you'll size up their, the looks, how beautiful they are, how, where their abilities are, if they are, 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 are boisterous, if they're gregarious, whatever. That will determine then your level of courage. But listen, I love this. The meek comparison never will fuel the courage of the meek. Comparison will fuel, it'll fuel the courage of the world, but it will never fuel the courage of the meek. Do you want to know what, what fuels the courage? The companionship of Christ with us fuels the courage. And I know that sounds cheesy. I get it. Like the companionship of Christ fuels my courage. That's weird. But literally listen to Joshua. Do you know the story of Joshua? Moses dies in the end of Deuteronomy and Moses was supposed to lead the people into their inheritance. They were living in um, a strange time of awaiting for something. Have you ever lived in the strange time of waiting for something and it just hasn't happened, but you feel this, uh, this assurance that it's supposed to, Moses dies. And so Joshua is thrusted into leadership and now he is supposed to take the people to their promised land, the land flowing with, meek, uh, with uh, honey and milk. It's flowing with meek. It's throw, flowing with milk and honey, and he is to be the one to lead them into it. And God says this, hey, Joshua, I command you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened or dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Why can you not be fear, fearful or dismayed? Because I'm with you, and so be strong and courageous. And we know from the people, they will constantly compare themselves. They walk into Canaan finally, and they are like grasshoppers. They're like grasshoppers, it says, to the giants who are in the land. They compare. Sometimes I compare what uh, is right now with what I think it should be. 
Do you ever do that? Like what I, like what it, what I think it should be. And so I compare with what I think it should be or what it used to be. And those eyes of comparison, goodness, fear, dismay, and arrogance are the results of eyes that compare. Whether you see their inabilities and so you stand courageously, but really it's arrogantly, or you see their ability and you shrink back in fear. So fear is always the result of comparing eyes. But the eyes that see the Lord with them, they stand in courage. And that, the result, again and again, is meekness. So Jesus looks at his disciples that day and knows soon enough you are going to compare that rocky boat with the storm, because I know it's going to happen, a storm. You're going to compare that state with the lavished bed that you used to sleep in. You're going to compare and it's going to allow you to, to spiral down in fear. But think about this practically. The disciples that day, do you remember that time in the, with the storm and the, the, the ship and Jesus was with them? The disciples that day had more security. They had more security than the rich, lavish man sleeping in his well-groomed house with a locked door. They had more security because Jesus was with them. And I know that's really hard to explain, but we have to realize that it has nothing to do with what we have, but everything to do with the one who travels before us, travels with us, gives us the courage, speaks over us. And even in the storm, they had more security, but that's not it, right? The meek don't just exchange, uh, they don't just exchange uh, comparing for, for this courage, but they also write this down, exchange quick for correct. Yeah. Now, I, this is going to step on some of your toes, and I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> the psalmist says, refrain from anger, forsake wrath, do not fret. The psalmist says, trust in the Lord and do good. Do what is correct. Have you ever noticed how easier it is to sin than to obey? Like literally, it is easier to hold a grudge than it is to forgive. It's easier to punch than to turn the cheek. It is easier to steal than it is to save money, right? Some of you struggle to save money. It's so, easy, so much easier to steal. It's easier to hurt than to heal. I mean, think about this practically. When was the last time you healed someone? When was the last time you hurt someone? It's so much easier. There's this, this uh, easiness when it comes to sin. Another way to say it is sin yields quicker results. Sin yields quicker results. Are you burdened? Do you feel angry or frustrated and you don't know what to do? Get high, right? Sin will yield quicker results for you. Get drunk. It will yield quicker results. Do you feel insecure? Go out with the friends that love to compromise. Go out tonight. Do you feel lonely? Go out tonight. Are you bored? Pull up that website. Sin will yield quicker results. Every day, do you feel distant? Sin will yield quicker results. Do you feel hungry? Sin will, it'll yield quicker results. Do you want a following? Start posting the things that hungry eyes want to see. We can do some things pretty quick. But the meek exchange quick for correct every single day. I'll put it to you this way. Um, I have a go-to. I'm a man of habit. I have a go-to breakfast. Some of you are going to be like, why, why is he even saying this? 
It'll be a point. I have a go-to breakfast every morning. I pull up the frying pan. I crack two eggs in it. And by the time I flip it over, I've timed it perfectly. It's on medium. And by the time I flip it over, I put the toast in, put it, uh, put it down. And then right when the toast pops up, the eggs are done. And I like it where it's just like lightly liquidy. And so then it pops up. I open up the butter container, spread the butter on my toast, and then put it on. And I eat it like this. I don't know, like a taco. I, that's just what I do. But I dread the day. I dread the day when I open up the container, and this is a first world problem, I get it. I open up the butter container and there's no butter there. Do you know why? Because that means you have to get the cold butter out of the fridge and we all know you better hurry up because you get the cold butter, now that whole four seconds of getting the cold butter, the eggs are cold and the toast is cold, it's not gonna melt the butter. Think about it, why doesn't it melt the butter? Because that butter operates at a different temperature than the toast. And this is, it spreads slower. Now I will tell you the meek, they operate with a different temperature than the world. They do. It, it is easier to spread lies than it is to spread truth. It is easier to spread fear and doubt in our mind. It's easier to spread pain than it is to heal. It is easier to spread doubt than to experience hope. Why? Because the doubt, the fear, the lies, they are fitting with the temperature of the world. And what we bring, it may be slower to spread, but it is so much more worth it. And so the meek exchange quick for correct. Now our tendency as we see all the brokenness in our city um, we want to spread hope quick or healing quick. But I've told you this many times that we will, uh, one of our core values is that we serve our home and servants don't swoop in, save the day and fly away. That's a hero and that's not real. Superheroes are not real. But if we are to really bring hope into our city, if our marriages are really going to experience healing, if our lives are going to change, then it will take a long time to spread that butter. It will just take a long time, so you can't do a one and done. It won't, because instead, neglect will spread quicker. Neglect, or that positive feeling that you felt, but then the absence of you once you're gone, because there's no relational capital built. And so good things, godly things, literally take a long time to spread, but we bring the temperature of healing into a room. We bring the temperature of justice into a city. We bring... We bring the ability for reconciliation to spread. And it will take longer to do so. And so the meek, we don't even look, right? We don't even look in that container. We just know I'm going to have to pull the butter out of the fridge because what I have to offer will take longer to spread, but it is worth it. So the meek, they exchange quick for correct. And the last one, as we end, the meek exchange strife for stillness. Strife for stillness. Another way to say this, uh, I like this other wording better, but I knew that some of you would struggle with, with this first one. I, the meek exchange problem solving for patience. Any chronic problem solvers in the room? Like that, That's often what keeps you up at night because you think you have to be the problem solver. You see the issues in the world and you want to problem solve for it because you think that that's what, where the good or that's where like, that's how I can be helpful or a leader in my city. But the meek, they exchange problem solving for patience. The psalmist says this, he, he says, commit your way to the Lord, trust in him and he will act. He will, he will act. 
Stop striving, stop problem solving, he will. The, the meek, right, they have this discerned use of God's strength, God's wisdom. Let him problem solve and you do it. Let him let it tell you what to do. It, the psalmist says he will make your vindication shine like the light. So be still before the Lord. You see, the world has something to prove, but the meek, they wait in stillness for God to be the proof. I, I struggle with this sometimes. I, I want to prove myself. I want to prove myself, my ability. I want to prove myself. I want to prove that I'm right. I want to prove that I'm just. But the meek, they wait in stillness for the Lord to act, for him to bring the justice. So as we end, and I, I just want to you to notice the wording of the psalm. It says, be still before the Lord. In other words, you're noticing his presence. And so we can literally do a whole circle back. You're noticing his presence. And so you're able to hand over your comparisons and take courage. Be still before the Lord. Let him inspire you with courage. Be still before the Lord. So while you're still, you're not being quick. So you can do what's correct. While you're still, you're not problem solving. You're he hearing and what this is going to do, this is going to train you to listen to the Father over your flesh. Because the wicked, they listen to their flesh. They problem solve with the, the, the thoughts of the flesh. But the meek, they hear the Father. They're still. And so as we end this morning, band, you guys can come up. I just have this question, and I just want it to sit with you. What do you need to exchange? What are the exchanges that you need to make? For some of you, it is that comparing heart where you get, keep getting mad at God that it's not what it used to be or what you think it should be. You're comparing. Be still before the Lord and notice his presence with you. Maybe you need to, uh, to stop doing what is quick. Sometimes you can find satisfaction quick, but that satisfaction is not going to be with you in the morning. That satisfaction won't be with you the next day. And so maybe you need to exchange quick for correct or it's that problem solving that you need to exchange. As we end this morning, do not sing until you've been honest about what you need to exchange. Let's pray. God, in this room, I am, I'm aware of the fact that even my heart needs some daily exchanges. God, forgive us for every single time that we have, um, we have stepped into a place and not been who you've called us to be because we've compared ourselves with everyone around us. Forgive us for every time where you've wanted me to step in, yet I hunkered down in fear. Every time that you have called me to be meek and I have thought of it in a wrong way and comparison fueled my action. But God, I speak courage over these people. God, forgive us for every time that we have struggled to wait so we've done what is quick. Some of us are so habitually used to the quick that anything else, anything else feels like an absence of, of favor or goodness. But God, rework our brains to wait on you to see that correct hardly is ever quick. And God, as we sit in stillness, we wait. 
choosing to not drift into problem-solving mode. But we wait. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. For you are bringing a new heaven and a new earth, and the meek are the ones who inherit it. So we sit in your presence, listen to your voice, and we do this daily. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Glory Podcast. For more information about this message or Glory Church, please visit glorychurchkc.com.